Welcome back to the EdTech Takeout. This is episode 119. I'm joined today by the official co-host, Gina Rogers. Welcome back, Gina. Hello. Hello. I feel like it's been a bit since we've been it's, together. Yeah, it's been, well, I mean, been together on oh, the podcast. Oh, forever. We've been together forever, <laughs> we've been actually. been together forever. Yes. Someday we're going to be trucking partners. <laughs> That's what we decided today. Our retirement jobs. Yes. And then we're going to have a different type of podcast. It'll be... On the road. On the road. <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> with with Jindy. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, so should we start with news and updates? Uh, yeah, okay. for sure. So the first one I have down uh, is that Google Bard, which was the um, Google version of, let's, like ChatGPT. It's the Bard AI. Mm-hmm. Google Bard AI. I don't know what the official name of it was. Yeah. Bard um, AI. Has, Bard AI. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Has now changed its name because that's what that's what we do yep to just gemini <laughs> i'll do my just jack uh fingers just gemini just gemini just gemini we I don't know why gemini ai oh is it which you don't know funny. she it's the look on her face she has no idea she's just I, making that up no okay. i'm pretty sure it is but um, we don't know why no no like it went from being a stodgy old man yeah. writer <laughs> to yeah. I don't know. Yeah. A 1970s disco. Yeah. King. King. Sure. Of some sort. Yeah. I don't know why. I should. I think I started to read an article on this and I was like, I probably don't really even need to know this information. I, <laughs> I just think need I actually to know said that. I'm like, <laughs> why are we wasting our time on this, Gina? And I now we need... started talking about it. We don't know the answer. <laughs> yep. I just need to know that the name has changed. Yes, that is correct. So if you hear anybody talking about Gemini, you'll know that that is formerly known as Google Bard. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that I found on um, Twitter slash X, speaking of name changes, is this Google Doodle contest, which I I feel like this is maybe a thing, but I have never seen it before. So for Google's 25th birthday, did you know that? It's their 25th birthday this year. Mm. How does that make you feel? Old or yeah, not. happy birthday, old. Google! Happy birthday! Um, they're inviting K twelve students to um, create a image that then um, can help you win a big prize for your school. So the prizes are fifty five thousand dollars in scholarships, fifty thousand dollars in tech for your school um, if you have the winning art feature on Google.com. Mm-hmm. So we have a link that Gino put in the show notes if you're interested in learning more about that. But there's some examples here. So if you're looking to do something like this with your students, there's you know some examples that you could take a look at with them. So I thought it was kind of fun. Mm-hmm. And so it looks like the theme is my wish for the next 25 years. Yeah. And so um, developing a piece of art that incorporates also the Google um letters logo. yeah mm-hmm. logo in it mm-hmm. um to illustrate what the wish or what your wish for yeah. the next 25 years would be yeah so that'd be kind of fun when i turned 25 it was awesome <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> i bet google's not celebrating in this they're way. probably not probably not um okay so something else I think this is actually a January update, but I'll mention it because I just shared it with a bunch of teachers and it was new to them. So I'm sure it'll be new to many of you that Seesaw has added some uh, instructional templates that uh, you can go in and edit. So imagine like character profiles or, you know, things like that that are um, 
not generic, but that could you could go in and kind of personalize for your topic or for your students. A ton of them, a ton, a ton. So uh, to find those, you would go into your Seesaw library, click on daily routines, and then you have to scroll down. I think it's like maybe the second row. And uh, instructional templates is one of those options. So you click on that box and it'll open up all these new instructional templates to take a look at. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. Um, so I guess the final news and update piece that we have for today is that Pear Deck is now rebranded to being called Pear Deck Learning. Mm -hmm. um, Did you see I put on the show notes Pear Decking instead of <laughs> Pear Deck Learning? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's Pear Deck Learning. It's feedback, it's feedback for them. I prefer Pear Decking. Make it a verb. I'm going to go ahead and fix that now for you. Continue, okay. please. So um, Pear Deck Learning, not mm -hmm. just Pear Decking. <laughs> um, so... Within Pear Deck Learning, there is uh, several different tools that are in there. Mm -hmm. um, they've kind of rebranded some things that GoGuardian had owned previously. Right. So Edulastic has been rebranded um, as Pear Assessments. Um, so with our subscription in Iowa right. to Pear Deck, one of the tools that you will have available to you is also going to be pair practice and so you won't have all of those tools that are in pair deck learning you available. can it's just an additional fee that the okay. school district would have to pay for yes yes yeah okay yep thank you for that clarification yeah, sure. i didn't know did you know that i did i speak over top of you i apologize no, Continue. it's okay. okay you can mindy explain me <laughs> oh jeez, i'm so sorry my apologies <laughs> um but so pair practice yep. is one of those tools that you will have um access to and so Pear Deck or Pear Learning has a library of practice sets that mm -hmm. you are able to go into. You can create a class and then assign those practice sets to students as independent practice. You can also pull those practice sets as um, a way for you to do a game or um, learning activity with students and it was it was pretty pretty cool mm -hmm. um pretty slick yep. we need to dig into it a little bit more it's yeah. one of those things that um happened not very long ago and so we we don't have a full assessment on it but we just right. wanted to make you all aware that that um shift has happened yeah and um while you were babbling there i'm not sure did you mention that it also kind of learns students as they go so the more they practice the more adaptive it becomes did you say that or? i did not oh say that. i apologize okay I didn't want to take the words out of your mouth again. Yeah, that's okay. Okay. All right. So uh, lots of, well, you know, some good stuff. Some good stuff. Mm -hmm. Should we move it along? Yeah, for sure. All right. So up next, main course, served to you piping hot, is the National EdTech Plan of 2024. Mm -hmm. Wow, it sounds delicious, doesn't it? It sounds like a big meal. <laughs> that's oh, for sure. Oh, no. Yeah, you did say that. I okay, did. so... Um, whether or not you know it, I'm not sure that people know this always, that there is a national ed tech plan um, that comes out. And this national ed tech plan kind of examines how technology is at work within our schools, elementary to secondary. Mm -hmm. And it within that plan, it offers examples of uh, different schools and districts and classrooms, states, uh, doing some of this different work with um, ed tech. 
And then also talks about uh, some solutions that they'd like to offer when it comes to uh, access and design and use of technology to support learning. Mm -hmm. It's put out by the Office of Ed Tech, mm -hmm. which is a division of the Department of Ed mm -hmm. and the federal government. Right. Um, and it is very much based in research, right. best practices, right. um, and gives a really clear idea of what the Office of Ed Tech is seeing as maybe our um, seminal um, challenges yeah. in the ed tech space. Yeah. So the way that we use this as a team is we look at these three different categories and then kind of do some, I don't know, I would say self-reflection of our work and the, how we align some of the things that we're seeing with our school districts too and how we might support learning uh, moving forward. So just to make sure that we're clear, if you haven't looked at this before, uh, the digital use divide that they discuss within the National Ed Tech Plan would address inequitable implementation of, I'm reading this directly so I don't mess it up, inequitable implementation of instructional tasks supported by technology. So what that means is what our students are being asked to do and if they're actively using technology or if they are just being consumers of technology. Our hope is that they are analyzing and building and creating and producing with technology. But we know that on the other hand, that it could just be that students may be kind of passively consuming um, text or videos or something like that. So mm -hmm. really starting to look at the comparisons between those two types of usage and how we can kind of bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. um, and. In this particular portion of the EdTech plan, the kind of guiding star that um, that this particular portion anchors itself to is the idea of the portrait of a graduate. And so as districts are sitting down and thinking about the types of experiences that they want for their students in their classrooms, they really need to um, project out further and think a little bit about you know, what would a student look like who graduated from this particular K-12 system? Mm -hmm. What would we want for that student? And then kind of backwards design from there, okay, so if we want students who are critical thinkers or we want students who are creators, what are the things that have to happen within the classroom in order to make those things happen? Mm -hmm. And how do we prepare our teachers to offer them those experiences? Yeah, and I, you know, if I think then about how our work connects to those types of things, um, you know, in the past, I always feel like this connects really well with any of our makerspace activities that we used to share so often, um, talking about kids connecting real world situations or hands on learning. Um, when we used to, you know, talk so much about the makey makeys or robots and things like that. Um, and really encouraging students to, to be creative. Um, what else do we have, Gina? I, I mean, all of the CS work that we've been Absolutely. doing, yeah. I think really inspires students to be creators or problem solvers um, utilizing technology. 
I would also say that um, the transformative classrooms work that we engage in really supports teachers in thinking about ways to create more active learning experiences for students Mm -hmm. um, and to have them actively processing that content. And some of those ways might be online ways and some of those ways ways might be offline ways. Yeah, and I think the more we've grown too in our knowledge and have seen the integration of technology in lots of different ways is that, you know, our voice is always that we integrate technology to make it a more powerful experience. We don't integrate technology just for the sake of integration. And I think you bring up a good point that that transformative classrooms really I think mirrors those ideas and um, values that we have. Mm-hmm. I would also say that our team really focuses a lot on uh, how do we, level the playing field for all of our learners in the classroom by utilizing technology. And so leaning into the idea of universal design for learning and how do we leverage tech tools like screen readers or things like Flip that allow students to show what they know without having to necessarily write or um, use a skill that they're not um, as adept at. Um, So how can we design using digital tools to reduce barriers for learners um, and make make it a more level playing field? Yeah, and I think that leans then right into the digital access divide, which that portion of the National Ed Tech Plan then talks about not only equitable access to connectivity and devices and digital content, but kind of what you're talking about too is that making sure that the digital tools that we provide for students really help them access content, not only just for some students that it that it's necessary for, but allowing those um, tools to be accessible to all students that might find it very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part of that, that, you know, actually our team when we were looking through this, we talked about how we've kind of gotten away from the conversation and, and that maybe we need to come back to this more than, than we have recently, but also instruction about our digital health and safety and citizenship skills. Mm -hmm. I feel like, man, you know, when I first started at the agency, I felt like we were talking about digital citizenship pretty heavily Mm -hmm. uh, and that that maybe is a conversation that Mm -hmm. we're not having as often as we Mm -hmm. as we had years ago when Mm -hmm. when technology was first being integrated Mm -hmm. into classrooms. Yeah. And I'd say like to piggyback off of what you just said, um, the vast explosion of AI as an emerging technology, I think makes that conversation and bringing it back to the forefront even more important. Yes. Because all of a sudden there's, you know, this new emerging technology that we have our students engaging with. And we want to make sure that we equip them with the skills to be good stewards of that technology, good users of that technology, and also critical users of that technology to determine whether or not what is being produced by the generative AI or the large language model um, is in fact valid and correct or if Mm -hmm. it's a complete hallucination, which we all know that the large language models are prone to do from time to time. (laughs) Occasionally. Um, Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because then as a team, one of the ways that we are addressing that is uh, recently we've been um, engaged in an AI for educators workshop. So we're starting Mm -hmm. to share with educators, uh, first of all, what AI is and addressing some of the misconceptions around AI and uh, really starting to have conversations with teachers about when is it okay for our students to use AI? what is okay to put into AI, 
what values do we have around that? What are our thoughts around it? What does our district think about it? Um, and then also how we can use AI as educators to um, maybe provide other opportunities for our students by, I mean, I love to put stuff into AI just to see if it can make my idea better. And even as a teacher, you know, to put in a, a prompt of some sort and then say, now can you give me some ideas of how I can make this accessible to different types of learners mm -hmm. um, just to help me think outside the box too. So yeah. we got a little off of the digital access divide, but I think we addressed um, some well, important concerns about AI too. I think we too. came back to, we come back? Also oh, to, to the next the, one. No, we came oh. back to the digital use divide though oh, as well. Oh. Like just the idea of AI and how, you know, we want to make sure that we are creating experiences for students where they are engaged with this emerging technology in some way mm -hmm. i mean they have to know how powerful this is right. and how it's going to change their world of work or yeah. have some sort of an idea of what what the ramifications of using this might possibly be right um and so we need to we need to make sure that 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 is addressed in all of our classrooms yeah, right which like you said kind of brings us also to the digital design divide which is um, inequitable access to time and support of professional learning for our teachers, mm -hmm. educators, and practitioners to make sure that we've built their professional capacity to design these learning experiences for our students. Um, and I think this is a really important thing to think about because this is kind of our direct connection. We provide professional learning and how do we do the best we can to provide equitable professional learning across all of our school districts. I mean, we, we cover a pretty broad range of um, miles, <laughs> just yeah. the sheer miles that we cover, mm -hmm. um, but really making sure that we're talking with teachers and giving the opportunities for all of our teachers to engage in this type of learning. Mm -hmm. And yeah, for sure, that's our core work as well. Yeah. I think that uh, responsibility of um, schools and different systems is to provide the time and opportunity right. for those types of learning experiences to occur mm -hmm. and those types of um, coaching conversations to happen. Yeah, I've been pretty, um, I guess, just discouraged the past few years because I feel like that we've approached technology integration um, and digital learning as a thing of like, well, we've done that, check. Yeah, sure, right. Check it off the box. Yeah. And I think that with the, the um, genesis of these large language models and um, generative AI, like yeah. that might be shifting people's minds about mm -hmm. that a little bit For of sure. that maybe, maybe we haven't checked the box completely. Right. But I do think that that's an important consideration is that we need to ensure that teachers have the time and space to do this important learning and to think about how can I best design my learning experiences for the students that um, I am envisioning graduating from yeah. my particular system. Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, I would also, I this is something that, um, it, what you said made me think of it, and I can't remember what the connection was, but one other thing we wanted to point out too is that within the National EdTech Plan, um, 
and I think I mentioned this when I kind of explained maybe what the purpose of it is, is that they offer some solutions or um, ideas around how to attack some of these problems or some of these gaps that we might see. And one of those things is offering, then we talked a little bit about digital tools um, and accessibility, is that the state of Iowa, our Iowa AEAs have done a fantastic job of doing consortium pricing. And actually, this is not mentioned about the state of Iowa, but it is a solution within the National Ed Tech Plan is that hopefully you can do some negotiating with the large amount of numbers that you have and do some consortium pricing. And mm -hmm. our Iowa AEAs have done a fantastic job of bringing down the cost of these tools. Before the podcast, Gina and I were talking about how one of the one of the, I would say, guiding factors, I don't know if guiding is the right word, but when we first started sharing tools, we would, you know, try and place a tool with what the purpose um, for that tool would be. But one of our guiding factors would be that it was free because schools were really struggling to try and pay for a tech tool or a mm -hmm. subscription to something. Mm -hmm. um, and we're kind of getting away from that. Like you had said, Gina, about we're not, they're not trying to hook us anymore. We're hooked on different tech tools. Mm -hmm. um, and so that freemium has now become premium and we're looking now that we do need to pay. And so um, if you haven't looked into some of those consortium pricing that the IOAAs have, make sure that you do that because it does help make things much more affordable. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how our media and tech dollars are being put to use across the state is, is together mm -hmm. we get to bring those prices down to make it more accessible to more students. Mm -hmm. Working together as a collective is in everyone's benefit. Right. And it helps bridge that digital access divide. So that's kind of um, some of the things that we would like or wanted to highlight about the National Ed Tech Plan. I think Gina was planning on linking it. It's it's a really substantial document. So mm -hmm. don't think you're going to sit down and read it in 20 minutes. I mean, I think it's like 115 pages or mm -hmm. something like that. That's so lengthy. Yeah. So um, if you want to take a look at it, please do so. I always look forward to reading it when it comes out because I just think it's very insightful. And I think it really aligns with what our core values are. Um, here at Grantwood AA and also as a digital learning um, team as well. Mm -hmm. All right, up next. Tasty nuggets. Tasty nuggets. Bring on the tech nuggets. Oh, I noticed you only put one on here. Do you want me to go first then? Yeah, Okay. because then it would be... Maybe yeah, no, I know. Maybe. So you don't feel so bad. Okay. okay. All right, so my first one um, up is from Jared from Williamsburg. He shared this Mac app called caffeine for max now what i love about this is because when you're presenting so not just me as a you know professional learning presenter but even as teachers if you have your computer plugged in and you're presenting something up on your screen your computer goes to sleep then you got to walk over put the password in wake it back up again so this caffeine for max is a mac app that shows up kind of in your the right hand corner of your mac and when you click it, it just keeps your mm -hmm. computer on. And it's a little coffee cup. I know, it's so cute. Yes. So um, it's kind of a nice way just to have a quick like button to push to keep your computer awake as opposed to having mm -hmm. to go into your settings and like fix that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some great. of you Mac users might be like, you can go into your settings. Yes. And, and yes, we know. But I like <laughs> clicking that coffee cup. <laughs> There's and just about the coffee not cup. having to think about yes. it. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, I'm presenting. Click the coffee cup. Right. Don't go to sleep. Not like, 
I know, but if you go into your settings, then it doesn't ever go into go to sleep. Then the next time, like your battery's dead because it's been running right nonstop, right for a day, whatever, for sure. So try that one. Try it. Yes. Don't judge us. (laughs) Right. All right. So um, the nugget that I am going to share today is um, it's a big nugget. It's Mm -hmm. a tool that I just became acquainted with in the past. I guess month and a half or maybe two months called School AI. Um, And so there's a lot of these uh, AI tools that are specifically geared towards educators that are floating around. So Magic School AI, um, EduAid. What I really like about School AI is that as a teacher, you can create a custom chatbot for your students to interact with. And so you can give the chatbot some parameters that you want them to give the students feedback on or guidance on. So I set one up for helping my students write a persuasive paper on whether LeBron James or Michael Jordan was the best basketball player of all time. Oh, interesting. And I just set some rules for how the chatbot was to interact with the students. Um, But then once your students start interacting with the chatbot it creates a kind of a roster or a list of your students and you can click in and look at how each one of the students is interacting with the chatbot and then it also gives you insights into what your students might be struggling with so for example i learned about this from my friend andrew um, who I would collaborate with a lot. So we were messing around with this and he was pretending to be a student that was trying really hard to get this chatbot to write his paper for him. <laughs> and then like the little headline summary of Andrew's interactions with the school AI chatbot was that Andrew was trying to get this <laughs> me to write his paper, basically is what it said. Funny. And then like gave me some ideas of how I might interact or support Andrew. Oh, nice. And so I thought that was really interesting. And you can do kind of just like a quick like visual mm-hmm. look mm-hmm. at each of your students, but you can dig in um, deeper. You can look at the transcript of exactly what they've said to the chatbot, how the chatbot has responded to them. You can send their interactions to someone. So if you have to share them with um, someone else, you can do that. It creates like a kind of a transcript of it. And so it's pretty cool. Mm, Um, Additionally, they have some other features that are built in there too that are specifically for teachers. So there's um, some different, uh, what do they call them, assistants in there. Um, So they like there's an AI and education assistant and you can ask that assistant chatbot like really specific questions about how to use AI in education or Mm, whatever. mm -hmm. So they've got some different assistants, an instructional design assistant, uh, coaching assistant, things like that. Um, And then there's also some things that are called I think they're called spaces in there, Mm -hmm. which are um, just already pre-created um, chatbots nice. to support students. So uh, one of the teachers that we're working with right now with our AI quote heart, she was really excited because there was a lot of um, spaces in there that were like ELL spaces that were designed for students who were acquiring English to practice their English usage. Um, nice. And then they also like 
you know, no, they were customized for what their primary language was to and interacting then in English. Nice. So I think it's pretty cool. That is a pretty powerful nugget. It probably it is, is equal to my two. Nugget, a huge nugget. Very. I mean, it's basically. It's a, almost a tender, if you will. I, I was gonna say it's a lip. Oh, <laughs> you know, one of those big chicken lips. Oh, sure. Yeah. Not a tender. We call them lips you in do? Iowa City. I don't no, know. Because they're okay. weird. No, well, no, that's not what I said. That's not <laughs> what I said. Don't put words in my mouth. I did not say you're weird. Are you ready for my next one? Yes, I do. Okay, so this one is kind of an interesting one, um, and it was new to me, but I doubt it's new, and it's <laughs> called Stickity. And I really like visual um, things. And so I know you were really excited when they added stickers or whatever to Google Slides. Are they called stickers? Yes, there's And I thought that was stickers. dumb. You were so and excited. But I'm going to eat my words I, here. I'm going to eat my words. Okay. 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 I can't wait. Okay. So I think that was dumb. I didn't really care about that. I mean, I didn't think it was a big deal. Like, everybody made a big deal. I'm like, I've been putting images in slides forever, right? So I found, I came across these stickities, and they are more educa- education-based stickers to put so you can add it as a add-on into Google Docs or in Google Slides but um, these slides or these stickers say things like um, on the right track or much better or great use of vocabulary or site 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 elaboration needed so they could be feedback stickers but what I think is really great about this is that they also come with their own alt text for students using screen readers, mm-hmm. and they meet all of the guidelines for accessible color contrast. Nice. I know. So I like that they are um, very education-based type stickers, and it might be something that um, if you're really into the whole like, you know, sticker phenomenon, <laughs> then um, then this this might be something for you. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's it. Because yep. you didn't have another nugget. I didn't have another nugget. Right, right. I had a I huge, almost forgot. I left it. I had, there was a weird pause there. I had there a rotisserie and chicken. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's what I had. Just beat that joke. I instead. had a rotisserie chicken okay. that I just laid on you. <laughs> so make sure that if you have any questions or comments, you reach out to us at podcast.gwaa.org. But until next time, this has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.